I grew up uh, never handling my anger very well. I didn't throw tantrums. I uh, wasn't disobedient. But whenever I would get angry as a child and as a teenager, I just didn't know quite how to handle it. I remember going uh, to my room uh, from my parents and I would throw things in the room or I would throw things at buildings or I would run away from home to deal with the anger because I didn't know how to control it. I can remember one time my sister taking too long in the bathroom, at least what I thought was too long, and I got so angry that I kicked the door and then I actually put a hole in it and my dad had to go and put new plating at the bottom of all the doors. In high school, uh, I got into several tussles on the athletic field and off the athletic field. Throughout the first part of my life, I just didn't know quite how to handle my anger. But once I got married, I thought for sure then I would be able to control my anger. My wife Jennifer is gorgeous and she's very gracious She had everything going on for her life. She was in medical school getting ready to be a doctor, and my world was great. And I thought there's no way I could ever get angry at such a beautiful bride like I had. But I was wrong. There were multiple times in that first ten years of my marriage in which my anger got out of control, and I said things and I did things that I regret to this day. And finally, it hit a bowling point. A year after we had started the JAR, we had met in homes for the first year, and we finally moved to the Y, and we were uh, upstairs. And it seemed like everything was going well, but the transition from homes to the Y didn't go so well, and we actually lost uh, people, and we went from about 25 people in attendance to eight. And I had reached the lowest point I had ever been to as a pastor. And I was ready to quit. I looked like a failure. I felt like a failure. And my anger simply turned from pain to anger to rage. It was the first Valentine's Day dinner that our church had ever done before. And I don't remember what it was, but Jennifer said something that ticked me off. And I remember going into the bathroom and tearing down the actual shower curtain and then punching my fist through the wall of our bathroom. And I scared Jen so much. And the tears from her eyes that are husband couldn't handle his anger. And I felt like such a failure. I mean, how could God ever use a person who couldn't handle his anger? And then the problem was is that we still had to go to the dinner. There was only eight of us anyways, and so we went to the dinner, and I remember sitting at the table, having my right hand underneath the table all the time because of the shame that I couldn't control my anger. 
Finally, the dinner was done, and then my wife had to go through her shame. She was a first-year doctor, and we had to go to get an x-ray of my hand. And she knew that if it was broken, the radiologist could tell very, very quickly what kind of punch that was, that this guy can't control his anger, and he punched the wall. Luckily for me, and even more importantly for my wife, there was no break, and she didn't have to go through that shame and through that hurt. But I left from that experience thinking to myself, i got to get this under control. I need God's help to come into my life to help me overcome the emotional cancer of anger. And so I immediately started going to some different counseling sessions. I took some anger management classes. And at the age of 32, I finally, for the first time in my life, was able to know how to manage anger so that it wouldn't consume me. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't get angry anymore. I do. I've just learned, though, how to handle it in ways that are healthy. And the best way is allowing God to fill me with His presence so that I live a life that honors Him. And there was one particular passage of Scripture during this life that I've been committed to and I've been learning to live out. And it's this one. In your... What's the next word? Yeah, in your anger, do not what? Yeah, do not sin. We're all going to get angry. You can't help from not getting angry. It's going to happen. But the issue is is that when you get angry, do not let it go further to where you will sin. And then the Scripture goes on to say, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, many times, this is something that uh, people are told about in their marriage. Uh, In your marriage, you know, it would be very wise for you not to ever allow your head to hit the pillow if you're angry. But it's not just with marriage, but it's any relationship. The Scripture is very clear. Whatever the relationship is, you should not go to bed angry at anyone. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then it goes on to say... And do not give the devil a, what's the next word? Yeah, a foothold. Now, it's very, very interesting. This word foothold in the Greek actually means room. In other words, don't give the devil any room in your life. Don't give the devil a guest room. Don't give the devil a front door kind of room of anger to walk in. Don't allow him to get inside your hearts and allow yourself to be filled with anger. So, I've shared pretty transparently this morning my life. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone to bed angry? Have you allowed your anger to set in such a way that you sinned? Have you ever given the devil room, given the devil a foothold so that anger would consume you. The reality is, folks, 
All of us are going to get angry, but this is what I know about a group this size. Some of you, and maybe many of you, are having a hard time controlling your anger. You get consumed by it. You can't control it. You can't manage it. You can't master it on your own. You have to allow God to come in and to help you with this. And it kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's this. God wants to help you master your anger before it masters you. God actually wants to reach into your life and help you master your anger before it masters you. I was on a tipping point in my life and my marriage to where it was close to being able to master me until God came in and God wanted to help me, just like He wants to help many of you. Now, there are all sorts of stories in the Bible in which there are people who did not turn to God to help them with their anger. In fact, it's interesting to me that in the very first story that we find in the Bible, the first family, Adam and Eve have two children. One is named Cain and the other is named Abel. And we learn that one of the sons allows the devil room to get foot a foothold. He allowed anger to consume him. You see, one day, one of them is offering a gift to God. They bring an offering to God. And God accepted Abel's offering. He, he brought his offering and he did it the right way. And God accepted Abel's offering. But his brother Cain didn't do what God asked him to do exactly, and God doesn't accept his offering. And when God rejected Cain's offering, he got so extremely angry that he opened up the front door and allowed the devil to walk in and anger blew. And we only have four human beings, folks, so far on planet Earth. And in Genesis chapter 4, God says this. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you... What's the next word? Why? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must what? Master it. Through the open door of anger, sin entered into Cain's heart, and he does the unfathomable. He murders his brother over his anger. He couldn't control it, and so he kills him. Folks, there's only four people on planet Earth and one of them gets murdered by their brother. I think God knew at the very beginning that anger would be an issue that you and I will struggle with. Why did it happen? It's not because he was angry, but his anger caused him to sin and his sin caused him to kill. Today there are some of you that I'm speaking to right now. The reality is you're trying to ignore some of what I'm saying because you're like, oh man, I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with this. But God is speaking to your heart right now saying your anger's out of control and you've got to get it together. I mean, you might not have murdered someone, but this is the truth. 
You may not have murdered someone, but your words are murdering people all the time. Your words, your action are causing damage to the people around you all the time. Your mouth is out of control when it comes to talking to other people. You've said unthinkable things before. You've said to your spouse, I wish I would have never married you. Maybe you've said to your kids, I wish you were never born. Maybe you said to a brother or a sister or a co-worker, you will never be anything. You're worthless. You're a loser. Now, others of you have what I call a more controlled type of anger, and you might not say these things out loud. I mean, outwardly, you are not an angry person at all. But the deal with many of you is right underneath the surface, just below the surface, the anger is boiling. It's not visible, but just beneath the surface, there's often a high level of frustration that you are dealing with in your own life. People at your work, they get under your skin, they drive you nuts. Your spouse is always saying something that you're ready to wring their neck. Some of you are angry at the news. Some of you are angry at politicians. Some of you are angry at the school system. Some of you are angry at God. You don't want to admit it because you keep it underneath the surface. But in the back of your mind, you think to yourself, God, why didn't you come through? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? It's not a full-blown-out anger, but it's just below the surface. It's like water. If you put it on the stove, at first, it just kind of simmers. But eventually, it starts boiling. And if you keep enough pressure and temperature on it, eventually, it's going to explode. And your anger's on the surface, but you know, any time, it may explode. So whether your anger, anger is outward, or it's just beneath the surface... There are two ways that most of us deal with our anger and either way is not healthy and it leads, if we're not careful, to sin. There are two types of people that are in this auditorium today. There are spewers and there are stuffers. Which are you? Spewers, if you're taking notes, this is what a spewer does with their anger. Wrong ways to handle your anger. First of all, Spewers express it. Spewers have no trouble expressing their anger. If you're a spewer, you have a short fuse. You've got a quick temper. When you get angry, there's no problem because everybody else will soon learn that you're ticked off. Now, be really honest. At a moment of honesty... I would like you, if you think you're a spewer, you kind of, you know, say things off. You're kind of hot-tempered. If you're a spewer, raise your hand, okay? Go ahead, raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Okay, good, good, good. Be honest. Now, we'll come back to the rest of you here in a little bit. So, spewers, let me talk to you for a moment. Well, I am a recovering spewer. So, I understand spewers, okay? And this is what Scripture says about us, spewers. We're fools. We are fools. Now, don't leave saying, Bunch called me a fool. I didn't say that. I said that that's what the Scripture says. 
So if you look at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11, this is what it says. Fools vent their what? Anger. Um, But what do the wise do? The wise what? Quietly hold it back. Spewers vent their anger. But the wise hold it back. Now here's a picture of somebody that some of you may not know, but his name was Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday was a professional baseball player who later on became a pastor and an evangelist. And one day, he was actually speaking on this passage, Proverbs 29.11, and a woman came up to him after the message and she said this. She said, Pastor Sunday, I beg to differ with your message today. I blow up and then it's all over. And Billy looked at her and said, oh, you blow up and then it's all over. She goes, yeah, that's exactly it. And this is what he said. He said, well, a shotgun does the same thing, but look at all the damage it causes. (laughs) See, some of you, what you don't realize is you think your anger is fine. You just blow up and everything's okay. And you might be fine. But the people around you are collateral damage. They get the hurt. They get the frustration. They get the worry. They get the anxiety. They get everything else that is shot out with a shotgun, but the damage that is left behind is you. And if you're a spewer, it's foolish to give full vent to your sinful anger. Now, Proverbs 14, 17 says this. A what? What's the next two words? Yeah, a quick-tempered person does what? Foolish things. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. As a recovering spewer, I've made a lot of progress in this area of anger, and I'll share more in a little bit. But one of the problems with my anger issue was that often I was quick-tempered. And that's taken a little bit longer to know how to control as much. One time, Jen and I uh, were uh, trying to figure out what we were going to do with the kids because uh, she was leaving for the weekend. And I finally reassured her. I said, babe, I got it. I'll take care of it. And she's like, yeah, but you got to like cook for them and that kind of stuff. And I said, hey, it's no problem. I can do it. And so uh, I went ahead and I labored a lot trying to think about what it is I would cook for them. And this is what I came up with. So I just go to Puerto Vallarta. Like, when I watch the girls, we're going out to eat pretty much every single time, except for breakfast. I mean, everything else, you know, that's what we're doing. And so we got to uh, Puerto Vallarta, and uh, we got to our table. We got seated, and, uh, you know, they bring out the chips, and we're eating all the chips. We're having a good time. They're six years old, and they're four-year-old at this time. And so I'm eating that, and everything's going well, and then... Uh, The server comes, we order our food, and then we get ready to uh, eat a few more chips when in the exact same voice they say loud and clear to me, Daddy, we have to go potty. So again, I'd worked on my anger a lot, no problem. Hey, we'll go potty. I take him, we get to use the restroom, we come back. And as we're approaching back to the table, there was a group of college students who had been drinking quite a bit. It was at the end of uh, the school year, 
And all of a sudden, I started hearing all of these curse words coming out of their mouths, and a lot of them were F-bombs, every other word. At first, I just kind of let it go, thinking, well, maybe my girls uh, didn't hear this, and pretty soon they start hearing it more and more, and I feel this boiling anger kind of within me coming up. And so I looked across the booth, because they were across from us, and I said, hey, could you guys please kind of stop the profanity because, you know, I have some young kids here and uh, they don't need to be hearing those words. And uh, I thought that would be enough, but then one of the students under his breath says something like this, well, if he doesn't like the blankety-blank-blank way that I'm talking, then he can move his kids. Now, at this point, this is what I said. I stood up, I walked over to the table, and I said, if you can't keep your mouth shut, why don't we go outside and I'll shut it for you? Now, I don't know if it was the alcohol or what it was, or I just looked really big. I think God was just protecting me more than anything else. The guy got really intimidated, and he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Oh, I won't say anything anymore. Now, at first, you know, as a man, I'm feeling pretty good, like, hey, I stood up for my family. This is it. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the dinner goes by, and then all of a sudden, I get this prompting from God, you're a fool. You spewed your anger out. The quick temper came out. Plus, I started thinking to myself, what if I would have went to that table and I said, do you want to take this outside? Let me shut your mouth for you. And what if they would have said, okay, let's go. Like, what am I going to do at that point? Take my phone, give it to the kids. Hey, girls, here you go. Keep this phone. If daddy's not back in five minutes, call 911, you know? Now, I laugh about this today, but I'll be quite honest. And I asked my girls before this, do they remember that day? They don't. And you know what? I don't want them to ever remember something like that. You see, the reality is, spewing, giving the full vent to your anger, folks, is foolish. It may be something to laugh at, but it's not a laughing matter. Let me say to some of you right now, I don't know who it is, but there's someone in this room, there's probably a few someones, your anger is a problem. Your anger is a problem. And you need to do something about it. You are destroying relationships around you that you don't even realize, and you need to figure it out. Each time you get anger, angry, there is collateral damage all around you, and it needs to stop. Only the fool, only the fool doesn't bring their anger under the power and control of God. Now let me go ahead and give you, real quickly, some practical things that if you're a spewer, uh, if you want, you'll have to write these down, they're not in your notes, but if you're a spewer, here's some things you can do. First of all, stop, think, and pray. You know, when kids uh, are first in school, uh, they'll teach them, if a fire comes, you're supposed to what? Stop, drop, and roll, right? Well, if you're a spewer, a fire is there, and so what you need to do is stop, think, and pray. You've got to stop and think what's going on and then ask God to come in to pray. Here's the second thing. Take ten slow breaths. It, it, experts tell us the way to kind of reduce our anger is that we breathe slowly. Uh, one time a guy was uh, dealing with some anger stuff, and I told him this step. And he got real angry. I was with him one time. And then all of a sudden he started going like this. 
I was like, dude, why are you doing? He's like, well, you told me to take ten breaths. I was like, slow breaths, okay? Ten slow breaths to get yourself back under control. Here's the next thing. Talk more slowly. If you're angry and it's all amped up and you're very high, the thing you got to do is go, okay. And you talk more slowly. Here's the next thing. Leave the room if necessary. You don't have to win the argument. The problem with spewers is sometimes you want to win. The smart thing is to lose that and to win something that's greater, the relationships that are in that room. So you simply leave the room if necessary. And the reality is all of you, if you're a spewer, you're going to blow it. And so when you blow it, this is what you need to do. You need to make it right and to ask for forgiveness. Once you've messed up, don't just keep on thinking that it's going to pass, but actually ask for forgiveness. Do it each time that you spew anger and receive God's forgiveness for that. So, the first group of people that sin with their anger are spewers. The second group of people are just as sinful. They just hide their anger better, and they are what I call stuffers. And this is what stuffers do. Stuffers suppress it. Spewers go ahead and they express it, but stuffers suppress their anger. Now, there are multiple different characters in the Bible who were stuffers, who suppressed it. But there's one guy in particular, a guy by the name of David, who had a tendency, after he spewed for a while, then all of a sudden he became a stuffer. And this is what he says. When I kept silent, my bones wasted through my groaning all day long. In other words, what he would do is he would groan. He would just stuff it in. Stuff, stuff, stuff. He would bottle it all up inside like so many of us do. I mean, when stuffers get upset, instead of handling it in a healthy way, what do they do? They hold it in. Now, on the outside, the issue doesn't seem like an issue because on the outside, people are like, oh, they always seem so controlled and they have it together. But on the inside, like I said earlier, just beneath the surface, there's something boiling and it can blow up at any time. Quite honestly, folks, when you're stuffing, it's the opposite of love. You see, love keeps no record of wrong. But this is what I found about stuffers. They keep a long list of wrongs. And they stuff it all in and they keep it to themselves until finally they let it out at just the right opportune time about you've done this and this and this and this and this. You're like, dude, that was like 1994. I know. Now, ironically, this is what tends to happen when people get married. Spewers marry stuffers. And stuffers marry Spewers. Have you found that to be the case if you're married? Huh? Yeah. My wife, Jennifer, is a recovering stuffer. She grew up in a family in which when she would get angry, she was not allowed to ever express it at all. And so she would suppress it. She would just hold it in. In fact, one of the things that is most challenging for Jennifer is to ever kind of admit that she's angry about something, even today. Several years ago, uh, one Sunday, uh, she uh, came into church, and the night before, uh, she had worked all night long. 
And when she walked in, uh, I was so excited to see her. And so uh, she walked in, and between celebrations, I came up and said, Hey, baby, I'm so glad to see you. How are you doing? And this is what I got. I'm fine. Now, you know when a woman puts her hand on her hip and she says, I'm fine, guess what? She's not fine. Not fine at all. And so I just kind of let it go. The second celebration ended, and uh, we got ready to go out to eat. And I was like, are you fine? She's like, yep, I'm fine. And so one of the things I found is that laughter is good medicine. And so at lunch, you know, I throw a couple of jokes. I laugh at myself. She seems like she's okay. But then we get home after in the afternoon, and she was still stuffing. And she seemed like she was upset about something. And so finally I just asked her, I said, hey, babe, what are you upset about? It seems like you're upset about something. And she said, okay. Well, I thought when I got home, you would have had the house all cleaned up. And when I walked in, it wasn't cleaned up, and I was so angry at you and so upset. And I realized, though, that you had to leave early, earlier than anyone else. You had to take the kids to your parents. But during the time, I was just mad and angry, and I felt that way the whole time. And I'm wrong, and I'm sorry, and I'm not going to stuff it anymore today. You see, one of the things that you'll find in your relationships is when you actually name, when you mess up, you recognize it. And so when I spew, I say, hey, I'm being a spewer right now. I'm sorry, babe. I'm being a stuffer. I'm sorry for doing that. Folks, Jen has grown so much in this area of stuffing to where when we got married, it would take her three or four or sometimes uh, five days, sometimes a week before she could get it back. And now, you know, it's sometimes a few minutes, maybe just a couple hours, depending on how much I messed up. But she doesn't stuff it anymore. So if you're a stuffer, there are some practical things that experts tell us you can do. The first one is you recognize your anger and you admit it. The problem with stuffers is you just are like, anger's a bad thing, I better not even express it at all. And what they do is they stuff it in. What the important thing is to take your anger, bring it to the light, and allow it to come. And you know what happens when you do that? Bitterness and resentment do not stay within you. Stuffers sometimes are the most bitter, resentful people because they stuff it so much and they don't let it out, but it just eats inside to them. Stuffers are so afraid of their anger that they just sit on it for a long time and they hope that it will go away, but it doesn't. And their frustration gets greater and they stuff more. Here's a second suggestion for those of you that are stuffers. Journal about your anger. If you're a stuffer, you can't express it, so the important thing would be to write it down. Solitude, i found, is very helpful for all of us, but especially stuffers. So before you go to bed, Jen did this for years. Before she would go to bed, she would ask herself the question, is there anyone that made me so angry and I'm stuffing it right now? And if there was, she would write it down and she would ask God to forgive her. Because most stuffers, this is what they do. They do a great job of disguising their anger. It's like, I'm not angry. Oh, yes, you are. I'm not angry. Yes, you are. So asking the question to yourself before you go to bed, did I get angry at anyone today? And am I holding it in will help you to remove that. And when you get your thoughts on paper, sometimes for stuffers it's helpful to do that. Here's a third suggestion. It's to speak the truth. Uh, Scripture says this. Paul says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. Now, this is what I know about this Scripture. 
Spewers have no trouble telling other people their truth. They will tell their truth no matter what. Stuffers, though, on the other hand, have a hard time. They, they want to do the love part. They just never want to do the truth part. Stuffers sound so loving on the outside, but underneath the surface, the water is boiling. So stuffers, the growing edge for each one of you is to be able to speak truth when you're angry. And if you're married to a stuffer, or you know you have a relationship with someone who is a stuffer, a great question to always ask them, and many times I do this with Jen, I'll always ask the question, is there anything else? Because what stuffers will do is they'll express their anger up to a point, but they'll leave the last 10% behind, and then they bring that up later on. So you have to help them to pause and go, hey, is there anything else? Now, honestly, those of you who are here today, how many of you would say, nope, I'm not a spewer, and I guess I have more of an anger issue than I thought, because I do stuff. How many of you, by a show of hands, would say, I'm a stuffer? That's what I do. I stuff it in. That's what I am. I am a stuffer. Well, this is what I want you to know. Spewing and stuffing, neither one of those are good ways to use what God has given you. Both of those will lead to sin. And quite honestly, the question is, what do we do with our anger? And so it kind of depends on what the anger is. I think there are two types of anger. Here's the first type, sinful anger. If you sin with your anger, the thing that you have to do is put it out. Because anger's like a fire. It will not go away. It'll just keep on burning unless you put it out. You identify, hey, I'm a stuffer, I'm a spewer, and when the anger comes, the thing you have to do is put it out. Proverbs 17:14 says this. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So What's it say? Drop. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. You just have to drop it. You get angry about something and you finally are like, okay, I'm just going to drop it. You drop it, you let it go. You drop it, you let it go. You drop it, you let it go. Now, some of you are saying right now, but Chris, you don't understand. I just can't do that. I'm not wired like that. When I get upset, it's like, boom, there goes the dynamite, you know, and and it just happens. Now, if you're thinking that, this is what I think. You're deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. I believe that every single person in this place can control your anger. You can do it. You can bring it under the control of God through His Spirit working in you. Now, there are some of you that are saying, Chris, seriously, dude, you don't understand. I can't do that. I can't do it. Yes, you can. How do I know? Because I get—I bet that many of you have had this experience before. You get angry and you're mad and you're yelling at your spouse or you're yelling at your kids or you're yelling at whoever it is at work and it's going on and on and on and all of a sudden the phone rings and you pick up the phone and you're like, Hello, how are you doing? Oh, you're doing good? Oh, girlfriend, I'm so glad you're doing so well. Oh, I've been praying for that. I have. And things are doing so much better. Uh-huh. It's going good for you? Oh, good, good girl. I'm so glad. And, oh, sure, we can go out to eat when you want to go. Okay, okay, I'm putting it down. I'm putting it down. Good, good, good. Hey, love you too. Bye-bye. 
Then you put up the phone, and then all of a sudden, I am sick and tired of doing it. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, you're going off again. Now, what did you just show? You can control your anger. You can do it. Now, how can you do that? How can a person that's so angry and so upset, and then they get on the phone, and all of a sudden, they become an angel of God? How does that happen? You choose how you respond. You bring yourself under control. In preparing for this message, this last week, I can't say I'm going to do it every week, but this last week, I forced myself not to get angry at different things that would happen. 21 different times I counted. Things that usually would have ticked me off and got me upset, and I just kind of like, oh, it's not worth it. I'm going to put it away. 21 times. Folks, it was a good week, I'm telling you. And uh, 21 times. And, and I chose not to get angry about certain things. Okay, so the kids were running late. I've told them time and time again we have to leave by 7.50 to be able to get to school on time, and they're piddling around and everything else. I just put it away. I dropped it. Somebody didn't put the food away. How many times do we have to leave the food out? Can't somebody put it away? Hey, you know what? God, I'm just grateful that we have food, that I actually have food to put away. I'm going to put it in the fridge. I'm going to drop it. Somebody didn't respond to me in the time that they said that they would, but eventually, you know, a week later, they did respond, and at least they tried, I guess, and so I'm going to drop it. Somebody at work is getting underneath your skin. They're driving you absolutely crazy. Hey, you know what? Maybe they had a bad day. I'm going to drop it. Folks, there are some things that are just not worth getting angry about. So how do we grow in this? Well, James, Jesus' brother, wrote these words. He said this, Everyone should be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the bunch translation, okay? Some of you are like, man, that's my new favorite verse right now. That's not it. Okay, let's switch it to the next one. Everyone should be what? What's the word? Quick to what? And what? Slow to... Yeah, and what? Slow to become what? Angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so, several years ago, when I was preparing for a message, these words came out to me, quick, slow, slow. And all of a sudden, I started thinking it's like a dance step. You know, like quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. And I put that in my head. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You can do it. Seven different books of the Bible, we are told these words in Scripture. If we go to the next one. God is what? Slow to anger and what? Abounding in love. Seven different books of the Bible give us these words of what God's character is like. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. And you know what I have started learning? Is that I'm actually becoming more slow to anger. And I'm more abounding in love. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want to look more like Jesus. Folks, if you have an anger problem, let God deal with it. And people are starting to notice that bunch, you really are. Uh, my wife, my kids, some of my friends, family, 
man, you, you don't get this angry as much because I want to look more like my father. Now, there is one other thing when it comes to anger because there is some anger that's important. There's an anger called sanctified anger. And sanctified is just a big word that means righteous or holy or godlike anger. And so when we think of these two types of anger, sinful anger we have to put out, but sanctified anger, godly anger, we have to fan the flame. We fan the flame. There are several places in Scripture in which Jesus actually gets angry. He actually gets upset. He gets mad. He gets ticked off. He's angry. But it's a righteous anger. It's not a sinful anger. It's a righteous one. One day, Jesus comes up to a man and his hand is all shriveled up. And they're in the temple and it's on the Sabbath. And a whole group of religious leaders get their binoculars out and they're watching him and they're thinking, is he going to heal this man on the Sabbath? Because to do anything on the Sabbath, especially to heal someone, was a no-no. Now Jesus knows their thoughts and so he comes up to them and he says, hey, what's more lawful? Is it more lawful to actually help somebody out on the Sabbath or not? Is it more lawful to heal or to not heal? But no one responded to him at all. And when no one responds to Jesus, when he's like setting it up for him because they don't want to admit that they're wrong, he got ticked and angry. He couldn't believe their stubborn hearts. And this is what Scripture says. Jesus looked around at them in anger. He's ticked off. He's mad and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Jesus had a righteous anger that ticked him off. Now, for you and I, if we were Jesus in that moment and we were upset and we had the power like he has, we probably would have done something like this. Poof! And they would have had hemorrhoids for the rest of their life or something like that, you know? But you and I, when we get angry, what the problem is, is we tend to go to a sinful anger. Jesus, though, doesn't. And it says that he stretched out his hand. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Instead of allowing your anger to cause you to sin, his anger caused him to do something righteous. So some of you, you need to get your anger on. You actually need to get angry about some things. If your marriage is struggling right now, don't get angry at your spouse. Get angry at the evil one and say, you're out, you're gone. I'm not giving you any room. You're out of here. No foothold. Get angry. If you are sick and tired of poverty that's happening in Muncie, get angry about it. Do something about it. Volunteer. Be a part of the community basket. Do something to be able to reach out in a righteousness of anger. Is there someone in your life who is stuck in sin and you just see their life falling apart? Get angry about that. Don't sit on the sideline. Reach out. Show them love. Invite them. Have them to be a part of things. Get angry at the evil one who wants to bring them down. Folks, I just wonder what our church would look like if we diminished sinful anger 
in this place and we increase a sanctified, righteous, holy anger for the things of God, how would we respond? So, if it's a sinful anger that you're dealing with, you need to stop hurting the people around you because your anger is doing that. And stop hurting yourself. And you've got to put it out. You pour the Spirit of God on your anger and say, God, I can't do this on my own like I did when I was 32 years old. In that moment with Jen, I said, I'm done. And God healed me of that unhealthy anger. And for others of you, maybe it's a sanctified anger. You need to pour gasoline on it. The thing that is unjust that you would move in. And may God ignite a righteous anger in all of us so we would have a greater impact in Muncie and Delaware County and all of East Central Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your presence that is here today. Thank you for reminding us that we don't have to be consumed with anger we can give it to you. God, would you help us not to allow our anger to cause us to sin? And right now, maybe in a moment of honesty for you, the truth is, is that your anger has been consuming you lately. And you've been yelling at your spouse or yelling at your kids or yelling at coworkers. At work, you're just always angry and it seems like anything sets you off. So if anger has been consuming you, and it's caused you to say things or do things or wish you could take something back, but you can't, would you, in a moment of honesty, just before God, lights are out, no one sees, just before God, say, God, I have an anger issue. God, right now, I'm lifting my hand up before you. And that you could just pray silently, God, my anger has been mastering me. I want to change. Father, I pray for each hand that's lifted up. God, give them power right now to overcome their anger. Help them not to spew or to stuff their anger anymore, but to turn to you. Help them to know how to put sinful anger off. You can put your hands down. Maybe for others of you, you're just not dealing with your anger at all because you don't have a relationship with God. And it's not just anger, but there are so many other issues in your life. Your life is overwhelming. And it's because you just can't do it by yourself. Well, no matter what you have done, I want you to know that God loves you. When you come to Him with a repentant heart, when you Say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. He receives you and forgives you. So today, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ before, but you're hurting and you feel lost and you need a new start, today, if you are ready to say, just by faith, I surrender my life to you, God. I give it to you. I give my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your grace. If that's you today, if you're ready to do that, you're tired of living an angry life, You need the Spirit of God inside of you, living in you all the time. I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that is just something that we 
say, but we believe. And you don't pray it alone. We pray it together in unison. I invite you to simply repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray.